Dr. Whipke, as I've said to you before, you can take the boy out of St. Louis, but you can never take the St. Louis out of the boy. It's those relationships, it's those relationships with our kids. And as dads, our kids need to see us in those roles as well. Not just somebody that's going in the car every day and going to work or are only doing physical activities with us, but giving us, giving our kids those hugs and, and the love that they deserve. I'm not gonna give up uh, television production or journalism. That's my day job and I love doing it, but I already have um, started notes for two more books. I wanna create more books that, that include fantasy, but also have real life applications. Welcome to the See, Serve, Connect podcast. This podcast will serve to support our students and staff by promoting the wonderful things happening in our Ladue School District, by discussing public school education in today's times, and by engaging our community. The See, Serve, Connect podcast starts now with your host, Ladue School's Superintendent, Dr. Jim Whipke. Well, hello, Ladue community. This is Jim Whipke, your superintendent. We are involved in another edition, and we've got a special edition for you, of our See, Serve, and Connect podcast. We've been doing a lot of uh, our podcast over the last, oh, six or seven months. Um, but I will tell you, we have a special guest here. We like to highlight uh, a lot of the wonderful things going on in uh, Ladue schools, but we also like to actually walk back in time every once in a while and get a chance to talk to our alumni uh, and we have somebody very, very special here today that I'm going to go ahead and introduce and, and walk through. But again, welcome to See, Serve, and Connect. All right. Now, at the end of this, all right, we have John R. Green here, and I'm going to give you his background. I'm going to go through his bio for you. But the number one thing you need to know about John R. Green is that he's an alumni of Ladue Schools, right? And even more importantly of just being an alumni of Ladue Schools in particular, he takes great pride in the fact that he had an outstanding start at Obanum Elementary. And so we're gonna talk just a little bit about that with John R. Green. And here's here's my hope, right? My hope, John, and you and I have already met, we've already had opportunities to chat. My hope is by the end of this podcast, you give me permission to call you Johnny, like all of your friends back here in St. Louis. All right. Is, is that a deal? You can't let, you can't say it now. Got to be at the end. Cause hopefully we have that connection. All right. As long as you promise to end with Johnny, you got it guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, sounds good. Well, let me go ahead and just let our audience know and all of our listeners know. And John, I, I think it's important you know that I get feedback from a lot of our community members that when they're going on their walks, when they're vacuuming their house, when they're having a lunch break at work, they like to listen to the Sea Serve and Connect podcast. So you'll have a lot of our community members get to hear what you have to say today. But let me give the audience uh, some background on just who you are from a professional standpoint and your connection to Ladue. So John R. Green is a multiple Emmy and Peabody award-winning television news and documentary writer and producer. He currently serves as the producer of special programming at ABC News, as well as the vice president of Rock and Robin's production. 
As a child, John Green, or Johnny Green, attended Old Bonham Elementary School, and he recently participated in a virtual author read-in event with current Old Bonham students and staff. I was thrilled to be able to join that with you, John. Uh, we had 80 first graders uh, with their teachers that got an opportunity for you to read your books to them. It was a great time, and I thought it might be fun for us to just chat and just have a conversation about your experiences in Ladue uh, and who you are as a person today, seeing that you're one of our esteemed alum. Uh, so just, John, just let's just start it off. Just tell us a little bit about your background and, and you know, you reached out to, uh, to, to us and you have that connection with uh, one of our board members. So just, just start off and give us some of the background. Well, thank you for that really nice introduction, uh, Dr. Whipke. As I've said to you before, you can take the boy out of St. Louis, but you can never take the St. <laughs> Louis out of the boys, out of the boy, you know. And whether it's uh, St. Louis Cardinals, uh, I bleed red, uh, St. Cardinals red, absolutely, and uh, Emo's Pizza and Ted Drew's, and of course, the Ladue <laughs> School District. These were formative parts of my life that I've taken with me that will never, ever leave me. I was born, excuse me, I was born in St. Louis. I was raised in Olivet. Uh, I lived on Arbor Road, which is a little street off of Old Bonham. And uh, I had the most amazing experience growing up in St. Louis, particularly in the seven years that I was at Old Bonham School. Um, this was the early and mid-70s, and the best friends that I have in the world today, all these years later, are the friends that I made in kindergarten, first grade, second grade at Old Bonham School. And I mean that. We talk regularly, we visit regularly, where that is my, those people are my touchstones. Um, and the life that I had in St. Louis um, for you know the 20 years that I lived there uh, really have helped propel me in my life and in my career and kept me grounded. I left um, St. Louis after graduating from Wash U, um, went to graduate school, in Boston and got a graduate degree in Boston at Boston University in mass communications. I knew I wanted to be in the field of media. I didn't know exactly where that would take me. I, uh, after my uh, getting my graduate degree, I started working as a news writer at a local TV station in Boston. Uh, that led to a job as a television producer at another local station in Boston. But my dream at the time was to get to the network level and to get to New York City. Uh, about three years into working um, in local television in Boston, I got <clears throat> what was a dream job for me at the time as an entry-level producer at Good Morning America, uh, the flagship morning show from the ABC Broadcast Network based out of New York. Uh, I started there in 1994. Uh, I worked my way up the ladder to senior producer, eventually executive producer, uh, running the day-to-day -day operations of that show. And from there, I went on uh, to produce primetime programming. I was the uh, executive producer of 2020, uh, the news magazine, and uh, now I'm almost 27 years uh, 
later still at ABC News doing special programming. And I do all variety of television programming, mostly in the news and documentary space. But I've been very fortunate to also cross over and do a lot of entertainment programming in recent years, producing um, Oscars programming for ABC Network for several years, including the big red carpet show out in L.A., uh, which is which is a lot of fun. I'll tell you about that later. Um, and then in recent uh, times during the pandemic, I had a little downtime and I decided to finally write two children's books that uh, I had dreamed of writing a few years ago when my kids were real small. And these books uh, were based on real bedtime rituals that I created for my kids when they were three years old to help them with their bedtime fears. And as I was writing uh, the books when my kids were in first grade, I couldn't help but think of my first grade teacher, Christine Williams from Old Bonham School, an amazing woman um, who remained uh, at uh, Ledoux, at Old Bonham for I believe 30 years or more before retiring in 2005. When I had her as my first grade teacher in 1973, uh, she was one of two African-American women that were the first uh, black teachers at Old Bonham School. And they were young. Christine was only 22 years old at the time. Uh, so I actually consider her now that I'm an old man in my 50s, I consider her my contemporary. Uh, but at the time, she was my teacher. She was my mentor. And she was one of those teachers. And, and Dr. Whipke, I know you have many of them at Ledoux. One of those teachers that had that special touch. You, you can't exactly describe what it is, but it's more than reading, writing, and arithmetic. It's when the, the teacher has the ability to see what a student needs socially and emotionally. And she touched me in all those ways and gave me a sense of self-confidence and gave me a sense of stability that uh, really inspired me to achieve academically and beyond school. And for that reason, we have remained lifelong friends. Um, to this day, um, Mrs. Williams, or Christine as I call her now, and I talk on the phone. We visited in New York. We visited when I go back to St. Louis to visit my friends and family. And I dedicated my two children's books recently, as you know, um, in part to Christine Williams and um, to Old Bonham School because of how formative the those years were there, and specifically how greatly I was benefited by Mrs. Williams and the teachers at Old Bonham and at Ledoux. You know, uh, thank you for that. I mean, and I I'm, you can tell you, this is not like what I do, right? I'm a superintendent and now I'm interviewing someone with your background. Maybe I should just hang up now, right? And just call it, call it quits. Talk about intimidating uh, to, to, to have to interview somebody with your background. But I, I just, I, I'm just so appreciative that you're taking the time with us. I was writing notes like I was back in class again when you were talking, uh, just because I'm so enthralled by everything that you had to say. But I'm actually going to pick up on something, uh, John, that you had mentioned before we even got 
got on the air. Uh, and I think it's a testament to you, your character and who you are. Uh, you know, and I've heard you talk about Miss Williams uh, several times now. Uh, again, when you read to the students at Old Bonham and you read them your books, uh, you know, you, you give her so much credit, right? And, and, and you talk about what she meant to you. And that's a characteristic that I've noticed in you. And so before we even went on the, the air to do this podcast, you were talking to Don Goble, uh, our video productions teacher at the, the high school. And you said to him, Hey, let me know how I can help our students at Ladue. I want to pay it forward. If they want to do a Zoom call with me, if they want to even do a field trip to come up, come up to, to New Jersey, New York and, and, and tour, you know, what I'm doing and, and the studios I'm working with. How did, how did you get to that mindset? Was it, was it Mrs. Williams? Was it your parents? What do you give credit to, to wanting to serve others like you do? It's just a common theme I, I hear in you. Well, I, I appreciate you saying that. And I'm very flattered by that characterization. I think that I've always had um, a part of my personality that wanted to pay it forward. But I'm going to share a personal story with you that I don't talk about very often. And I'm going to go back to 2012. So um, in 2012, we, you know, we really, really wanted to have children. And uh, it had been a long uh, trajectory to getting there, but we finally found out that we were pregnant and that we were pregnant with twins. And three months into the pregnancy, I was diagnosed with renal cancer. And the initial diagnosis was very grim. Um, one doctor put it this way. She said, John, I don't know if you're going to be around to meet your children. Wow, wow. And that was, um, obviously a, a real, um, pivotal moment in my life and considering what I wanted out of the rest of my life. And, um, just to, to, you know, taking that story further, I, I ended up, um, what they thought was metastatic cancer in, in all over my body turned out to be, um, benign in my lung, lungs and my liver, but medicine, but, um, uh, uh, carcinoma, cancer in my kidney, um, and it was treatable. And Memorial Sloan Kettering, a great cancer hospital in New York City, saved my life through surgery and treatment and follow-up treatment. Um, and I was in recovery, but I was there to see my children born. And it was a spiritual, you know, feeling. And I think, you know, Dr. Whipke, you and all the other parents listening know what that feels like yeah. um, to have a child born and to know that there is a greater purpose and there is a greater spiritual power in life, whatever your spiritual power is, that guides you. And I just remember crying uh, as I held my children for the first time and thanking my higher power um, for this blessing and making a solemn promise that I would spend the rest of my life doing whatever I could, not only to be the best father in the world, but to be the best person in the world and to pay it forward and try to help other people, particularly young people achieve their dreams. So that's kind of uh, how I wound up to where I am right now, just as a human being. That was eight years ago. 
Well, I, I cannot thank you enough for sharing that personal story and being vulnerable with us. Uh, and I'm, I'm viewing this as, hey, this is this is you. You kind of saw this as an opportunity for a second chance. Right. Uh, and I will tell you that and I'm not trying to pull in what's going around in our nation right now. But sometimes we get so hung up in this and that. Do we really, truly do we really, truly remember what's important in life? Uh, and how about, how about family, right? How about getting to see it the next day? How about getting to hold your kids for the first time and then continue to get to hold them? And I'm going to take it even a step further with all of your accolades that you could brag about. You could talk about, not that you would brag, but that you could talk about, and you could even hone in on, you talk about your children's books the most, uh, you know, you, you, you take, I can see like a, a little glimmer in your eye light up when you mention the books that you, you wrote and how you utilize your time or extra time over this COVID break uh, to really, really, like you said, pay back or, or, or give back, not just to, to the Ladue community, but to, to anybody that is struggling with the same things you are struggling with. And knowing your background, like you just told me, the books even have more of a purpose, don't they? They absolutely do. And one of the other reasons why I wrote the books was because I just in talking to a lot of my friends, couples that have children, and hearing their stories about their kids having a fear of bedtime, nightmares, monsters, not wanting to be alone at night, things that parents are always familiar with um, when they have small kids. It seemed to me that it was it was the moms that were primarily responsible for, for soothing the children, comforting them, and making sure um, that, they, that they went to bed feeling safe and secure. And part of the reason why I wrote the book, because the characters in the book, uh, one book, the character is a little girl. Um, the other um, book, the character is a little boy. These are based on my daughter and my son, but it's the father in both book that actually is the nurturer, is the one that comes into their bedrooms at night and helps them put their fears into perspective and find creative ways um, to think more positive thoughts as they try to go to sleep. Um, I wanted to encourage more fathers uh, to get involved in these nurturing bedtime rituals and nurturing rituals in general, because I think a lot of times we fall back on, you know, stereotypical male and female roles um, in, in, our, in our homes. And I just think that there shouldn't be any gender attached to um, nurturing the children, no matter what it is, when they get hurt, whether they're on the soccer field, whether they're in bed, whether they're crying over something emotional or personal, I feel like kids should be able to come to dad, mom equally. Yeah. You know, I told you last time we had mentioned and you prompted this with me because my kids are all old, older now. Right. And so they're they're older, they're grown up. But uh, and I actually even sang for you for a minute. Right. I'm not going to do that on the podcast because I, I, I may blow the, the speakers. No, 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 no. Wait, it's Dr. Whippy. I have to go back. You are selling yourself short. OK, <laughs> <laughs> when you say that you're that you're it's too much to talk to somebody with my credentials, my experience, whatever. Absolutely. So, that is so not true. You are very talented. I'm getting to know you better. You have, um, we, you have what we call in the industry show quality. You have got it. You're a great leader. <laughs> yes, 
you're a great leader. I know you're a great educator, but you also are a great communicator and that's a great skill. So good on you. And you're not a bad singer either. Yes, I am. I am a bad singer. And you know what? It's a good thing. This is going to be audio and most people will see it audio, although we'll post it live, but they can see the, my face looks like a big old tomato right now. Right. Okay. But when we go, when we go to a karaoke bar, when I come to St. Louis, what are you, what is your go-to? I need to ask you. Oh, wow. Um, I, you know, that, that's a, that's a really good question. Probably, uh, uh, you know, the, the, and you're going to have to help me with this. Uh, I'm a big fan of how the Boston Red Sox, even though I'm not a big fan of the Red Sox, but they sing sweet Caroline at, 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 what is it? The seventh inning or something like that. I would probably pull out some Neil Diamond for goodness sakes and sing some sweet Caroline. And then the reason I would do that is I would hope the entire audience would sing and overshadow my, my voice. Oh, okay. You're too humble. You're too humble. But what I was going to share with you real quickly is that you motivated me because I used to read to my kids, the Franklin series, Yeah. Uh, you know, about the turtle and the bear. And I made up some silly little song. Well, my, my kids are 24, 22, 21. And now just have one drive in 16. And I came home and after your, uh, your session with our kids at old Bonham and I, I sang them the Franklin song and I got the same reaction I got when they were three and four years old. Oh gosh, dad, please stop. Right. But it's those relationships. It's those relationships with our kids. And as dads, our kids need to see us in those roles as well. Not just somebody that's going in the car every day and going to work or are only doing physical activities with us, but giving us, giving our kids those hugs and, and the love that they deserve. And I just want to tell you this too. And I wrote this note down as you were talking, you know, I, I recently lost my dad about a, a year and a half ago. And he had a 29-year uh, fight with Parkinson's, and I learned some amazing life, life lessons. In fact, I started a blog that kind of highlighted uh, some of the lessons my dad taught me, but he left some legacies with me. The time that you're spending with your kids, the books that you have written, those are legacies that you are, you'll leave not only for your kids, but for for kids all over. Do you have any, any plans on continuing to write books as your kids get older uh, and their, their needs change? Uh, any focus on that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm not going to give up uh, television production or journalism. That's my day job and I love doing it, but I already have um, started notes for two more books, uh, two more kids books. Um, I've been approached by a couple of publishers um, who saw the, uh, the two that I've written and, um, I definitely want to do this. I think, um, I want to, I want to create more books that, that include fantasy, but also have real life applications. One book, in fact, that I'm, um, fleshing out right now is, has something to do with digital addiction. Um, you know, my kids are eight years old and like many, um, parents of eight year olds, I'm, I'm really struggling to try to get them off the digital advice, uh, devices. Um, and there's gotta be some happy medium in this new technological world. And I'm struggling with that. So I'm, I'm, I'm starting to write about it. Yeah, that is so true right now, especially, right. It, it was true regardless, but it's so true right now, especially with many, many school districts across our nation 
still online. Uh, and you know, you're already, you're already in front of the screen because that's just our society today. Right. And that's just, that's just the way it rolls. But now you're on the screen even more because you're having to go to school that way. Um, so I look forward to that. I I look forward to, to, to seeing some, some of, uh, your, your next works, uh, and maybe, maybe being able to use those with my son, because he's pretty addicted to the technology as well. Hey, let me just go back a, a minute. You just have such a special relationship with Mrs. Williams. You mentioned that she was 22 years old at the time, fresh out of college. And all of a sudden she's in this, in this job. Talk to me about how you've stayed connected with Mrs. Williams and it just exactly what she's meant to you because that, that foundation, right? That foundation led you to wash you led you to, to, to be in an ABC news, uh, producer. I mean, all of those types of things. So talk to me just a little bit about, about her relationship with you. Oh, I, that's a topic that I love to discuss, but let me take you back to 1973. <clears throat> I think your listeners will enjoy a little reality check of what it was like, um, to be in first grade in the Ledoux school district in 1973 compared to what it is like now. Um, in 1973-74, as I said, when I was in first grade and Christine Williams was a young 22-year-old teacher, um, things were very different. Um, she made a point of, uh, after school, stopping by um, Stacy Park um, yeah. to attend the baseball and softball games of her students. Um, she would come to birthday parties uh, for the kids. And in fact... She even took all of her students, three at a time, back to her home for an overnight stay. Can you imagine that happening in 2021? <laughs> no, no, I can't. <laughs> and I think there might have been a permission slip involved, but it was one of the greatest, greatest times. Uh, I was partnered with my uh, two good friends, Adam Tenenbaum and Elizabeth Goldstein, who is now Elizabeth Goldstein Snidman. Still in Olivet, by the way. Um, and I remember it was, I remember it like it was yesterday. We left school with, with uh, Mrs. Williams uh, one day. We had our little overnight bags packed. Uh, we got in her car. I think she drove a VW Bug, which was really fun. Uh, and uh, she took us to the grocery store. We all hopped in the cart and she wheeled us down the aisles and we got to choose what we wanted for dinner. We went back to her house and I think we had grilled cheese. We were obviously really creative in terms of our culinary selection. Um, I think we had grilled cheese and I think Adam wanted spaghetti. So I don't know how or why I remember that, but the reason why I think it stays as an indelible memory in my mind is because she went that extra mile to create a relationship with us on a personal level. And at the time, nobody ascribed any, you know, negative motives to a teacher having that kind of relationship with her children. And I came from a house where uh, my parents were in the process of getting a divorce. And I think um, for me, like for many other kids, she really honed in on what was going on for her students outside of the classroom and how could she be um a salve in some way to the wound that this child might be facing at home. So for me, you know, I might've been stressed out. I don't remember, but I probably was demonstrating some signs of anxiety um, as a kid who was, who was facing parents getting divorced. And she probably saw that and responded to it and gave me just a little bit more attention. And 
I always remember her telling me that I was good. And if you think about life and you think about your formative years of who are the people who are in a position of authority in your life, you know, a lot of them don't give you positive reinforcement. But then there are, if you're lucky, one or two who pull you aside and say, you're special. There's something in you that I see that is special. Well, Christine Williams was the person that did that for me. Yeah, absolutely. That that here's what's really interesting about that, John. I asked you about, you know, that relationship with with Christine Williams and you know, I even kind of tracked your your plight in terms of your career. And you didn't go back in time and say, wow, I had this amazing foundation for reading or, or writing or, or math. You talked about how she made you feel as a person uh, and the relationship component first. Whether or not we can do overnight trips right now, we can't. But, you know, it's, it's, it's not about necessarily what you, what you do, but it's about how you make them feel, right? Exactly. And- I, it, it's so funny that you say that because one of my favorite quotes, and forgive me if it's not Maya Angelou, but I think it was Maya Angelou who said, people may forget what you say and how you say it, but they will never forget how you make them feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I believe that to be true. I think you're spot on. Yeah. I used to give, I, when I was a, a middle school principal, I used to give the, my entire uh, teaching staff, uh, and, and really entire staff support staff, everybody would come in on the first day with a Butterfinger, uh, candy bar. And I had a note attached to it and I would say, Hey, <clears throat> you you, may not remember how many calories are in this Butterfinger, but you sure will remain, re- remember how it will taste. Just like your students won't remember on the first day of school, what you say. But yeah. they still will remember how you made them feel. And, and that's, that's, that's something that Mrs. Williams has left with you. And look at, look at what you're giving to others because of it. I think that's an important lesson far beyond being a producer and, and everything that you've accomplished. The, the lesson that you've learned uh, in terms of giving to others. Well, I also have to go a little bit step further than that. I want to go one step further than talking about Mrs. Williams. I am not embarrassed uh, to say as a 53 year old man that I am still obsessed with my grade school experience. Um, You know, (laughs) some of my friends, you know, they get such a kick out of the fact that I remember so many things that happened in second grade and third grade and fourth grade. But I got to tell you that that while Mrs. Williams and I have remained close, there are other teachers from Old Bonham that I'm still in touch with. There's Mrs. Cole who was my third grade teacher. She was one of the most creative and inspiring teachers that I ever had. Um, we were we were learning third grade um, math and she created um, something called uh, the 3C bank and she was trying to teach us the lessons le- lessons of commerce and um, money management and and we, Um, we had so much fun because we got to create a bank and we all took a role. One person was the lender. One person was the borrower. One person was the banker. And then we, we had a store, a three C store where we did, um, handcrafted, um, things that we all made. We made, um, you know, little notebooks with stamps on them and, um, decorations, ornaments, things like that. And we sold them. And from the profits, um, we sold them to other students at the school. From the profits, we invested them in a bank account. We got a class bank account at a local local savings and loan. And it's little things like that where a teacher goes beyond the textbook and comes up with a creative idea that, again, they they stay in your mind forever. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. I am. I am looking at our our our, our, our clock here, and unfortunately, I'm going to need to wind things up. But I will tell you, we didn't even get to talk about our one of our favorite topics to talk about, which are the Cardinals. But maybe we can have you come back, and we and we can uh, just touch base with you uh, at a, at another date. Um, I do want to leave our audience with a couple of thoughts uh, that I've learned from listening to you. Right? Uh, relationships, relationships, relationships. If you're an educator, listen to listening to this podcast, listen to what John R. Green has said to you today about his experience and what he remembers. It's about relationships first uh, and, and building off of that and relationships, not just with, hey, my teacher, but hey, how do we as parents, how do we as dads create the proper relationships with our kids and taking the time to do that? And then I will tell you, you really, really touched my heart when you shared your story of you having cancer cancer, uh, not even knowing if you were going to be able to hold your kids after you went through trials and tribulations and, and how your view on that was, I've got a chance here. I've got a second chance now with my kids and I'm not going to, I'm not going to blow it. And I, I think that that is something that as we look out there and hopefully people beyond just the Ladue community get to listen to this, but how about that? You know, being kind, being generous, being grateful to each other and taking advantages of the gifts that you were, you've been given your kids, but not just your kids time with your kids. Uh, I cannot thank you enough. John R. Green is with us here today and, and not, not just a, a, a professional producer, but just a downright good person and an alumni of Ladue. And now John R. Green, I got I got it. You know, I got to ask you one more question. Do I have permission to call you Johnny? Call it. Call me Johnny right now. I got to hear it out of your mouth. All right. We've been here with Johnny Green. Johnny Green of Old Bonham. Johnny Green of Ladue Schools. Okay. Now you got to call me Johnny Green forever. Okay. Next time I see you, we go to the karaoke bar. I am Johnny to you. All right. Caroline. Yep. We'll we'll do it. Hey, Ladue, make it a Ladue day. Thank you for your support of our school district. But most importantly, thank you for support of our kids as we see, serve, and we make those true, authentic connections with them. Thank you. Appreciate it. You've been listening to the See, Serve, Connect podcast, hosted by Dr. Jim Whipke, superintendent of the Ladue School District. You can watch this podcast on schooltube.com or listen to wherever podcasts are delivered. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.